In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. I see that there are a couple of uh, children who did not go to Kids Word, and I wonder what I, if what I uh, have to say resonates, because I can remember when I was a child, uh, it always seemed like Christmas just took forever to get here, right? just took forever. Uh, there was so much build-up, I mean, the decorations, the Christmas carols, the visits to see Santa. We have uh, several pictures of one of us screaming uh, on his lap while the other two smile, but the... Um, uh, we had there was uh, the shopping and the wish list, but you know what? What really made Christmas feel like it was taking so long to get here was the presents, you know, the anticipation that I was going to get what I want, and and then under the tree, these you know presents were just sitting there, just tantalizing us, tempting us, begging us to peek under the uh, past the tape, etc. Um, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and I can you know I actually remember very few of the gifts that I got. I remember I got a, uh, a Darth Vader control room, like where, where Darth Vader sat. I got a Swatch watch, and, um, and, I got, and I actually got a Red Rider BB gun at one point. No compass in the stock. But, um, uh, what I, but what I really remember about Christmas as a kid that it is that it took forever uh, to get there. This, there's this childish wonder, this longing this yearning for the greatest day of the year to arrive. It was adorned, of course, with crash scenes of baby Jesus, but what it was really about was the presence. And because, um, you know, you believe these commercials that, that you see, you know, that if I just get that toy, I will be happy. You know, I'll be as happy as the kids that are in there. And the reality is you hit a few home runs and the rest of them sit on the shelf and go to Goodwill. But, you know, it, that didn't matter so much because uh, Christmas took forever. Now, as an adult, it's, it's completely the opposite. Christmas comes like lightning, right? Just like lightning. I, I cannot believe, y'all, it is December 15th. Christmas is 10 days away. I mean, Thanksgiving was yesterday. I think we still got leftovers in the fridge. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure how this happened. That's my fault, not Amy's. But um, listen, uh, but even, even as true as that is, I still have this sense of anticipation, this sense of yearning. Um, it's not around presents, the commercials where dad opens up the 85-inch LED TV or the, finds the Jaguar coupe in the driveway. They don't really resonate uh, with me so much. But, um, and even this, this longing, it's not even really centered around Christmas. It's, it's existential. Uh, it's year-round, uh, this longing. And, and maybe you can relate. I just, you know, I have this thought, if I just get through this project, if I just get through this season, if I can just get through this sermon, then uh, I'll be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And maybe, it, you know, for you, it's something like, if I, if I can just get through this sermon. No, if I, uh, if, if I can just get uh, through this quarter at work, if I can just get uh, through this round of treatment, if I can just get this kid graduated or this house paid off, if I can just get that promotion, then everything will be okay. And it's, it's really like, I mean, it's the human condition. It's, uh, there's always a finish line out there that's playing hard to get. And, and if you reach it, which you may or may not, but it, you know, even if you, you don't reach it, there's another one calling your name. 
and always promising from afar that if you just catch me, if you just get to the finish line, then you'll have uh, the peace. Then everything's going to be okay. You'll have the peace you're after. You'll have the space to breathe. We call that sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel. Although I've heard people, uh, several people say recently, I just hope it's not, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I just hope it's not a train. You know, so, um, and that's life, really. I mean, certainly there is, uh, there's wonderful moments along the way, but, but chasing the finish lines is exhausting, and it never really ends. Uh, there's this yearning for calm, yearning for peace, for a relaxed heart and mind, for life, a yearning for life the way that we imagine it ought to be. And I would say that's a pretty universal human trait. Uh, I think, in fact, that desire, that longing is placed in our hearts by God Himself because we are made by Him for Him. We are made for heaven. And, and so we are made for life as it should be, but we are clearly not there. Right? So uh, this Advent, the sermons have been focusing on the passages, the lectionary passages from Isaiah. And we've had some very hopeful passages. Two weeks ago, we talked about heaven, this, this glorious future that awaits us. Uh, last week, Trent preached about the promise of the Messiah, this, uh, this glorious Savior. And this week, really what we have, I think, is the promise of salvation. Uh, we hear the dry desert places are made alive with water and blooming flowers. We see weak bodies being made strong and the anxious putting away their fears. The blind can see, the lame can walk, the deaf can hear. Metaphor after metaphor this week saying that God is putting the world right. Now, all will be as it should be. The yearning will be quenched. Now, if you know about Isaiah, then what you may realize is that Isaiah is kind of a roller coaster. Not everything's hopeful in Isaiah. In fact, it's judgment and then hope and then judgment and then hope and then judgment and hope. It's just uh, up and down and up and down this deep, honest, sobering, sometimes scary, even violent low, followed by this soaring, gracious, hopeful high with this beautiful vista that says the darkness is not all there is. And we have that pattern through Isaiah all, um, all the time. And so, uh, if you know, Isaiah is speaking to the Israelites. Uh, and by this time in the history of Israel, they, uh, they've been a vassal nation for generations. I mean, the glory days of David and King Solomon, those days are long gone. And they're always under the thumb of the Egyptians or the Assyrians, or the Babylonians. They're always, uh, they're always heavily taxed. They're never free. Uh, they're always being pushed around. They're always oppressed in some way. And the prophets have always said uh, that this was because they have not been faithful to God. Right? They've wandered from their devotion. Uh, they have fooled around with other deities uh, when it was uh, politically expedient, and sometimes when it was just more fun. Right? So, um, but that, that diagnosis... That it was sort of, you know, their lack of faith. That doesn't really make that oppression all that much better, does it? I mean, it, it is still this, there's this oppressive sense that if we can just get out from under the Babylonians, if we can just get out from under these taxes or these warlords, whatever it is, we're gonna be okay. And there's this yearning, this longing for a life as they imagined 
that it was supposed to be. And through Isaiah, God is speaking directly into the longing of the human heart. He's speaking to this existential yearning, to this parched soul eyeing an elusive finish line that wonders, where is God? And why has He let it get to this point? Why are things the way that they are? And Isaiah says the desert, and what he means is the, the spiritually dry, the, the spiritually dry um, relationship that Israel or even individuals have with, with God. The desert will rejoice and bloom with the crocus flower, that it shall blossom abundantly, and they will rejoice with joy and singing. Strengthen weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who are afraid, be strong and do not fear. He will come with a vengeance. He will come with terrible recompense. Now here's the thing, we hear that and we think, oh no, but it's not against you. He's coming with vengeance for you. He is against everything that's against you. This is good news. Isaiah says He's coming to save you. He's coming to save you. Just a very... Another very hopeful word from Isaiah this, that this depleted, disillusioned, defeated people will experience the redemption and the healing and the joy of the Lord and there will be abundant life and safety and righteousness and joy. You might expect, I've been thinking a lot about these Isaiah passages uh, that we've been having, particularly as they relate to Advent and this season of waiting, but also as they relate to the baby in the manger, uh, which we're going to celebrate again in nine days. Because, you know, in, in one sense, I mean, we could pr- one sense we can approach it, we're still waiting. We're still waiting for everything He's promised. His promises were made 2,700 years ago. And we're still waiting for heaven We're still waiting for peace, for the space to breathe. We're still waiting for that light at the end of the tunnel. And and so we're still yearning. We're still imagining life as it ought to be. And and that's one sense. But in another sense, uh, there's a a truer sense. a, uh, A sense that these promises are fulfilled by the coming of Christ. Or I should say they were fulfilled. By the coming of Christ, this heaven-born Prince of Peace wrapped in swaddling clothes, that He, in fact, is the spring bursting forth in the desert. That He, Jesus, is, in fact, the cause for rejoicing and singing. He is the strength for the weak hand and the courage for the fearful hearts. The Gospel of John says He is the light shining into the darkness. In our Gospel passage that Father Trent just read, Uh, John the Baptist is waiting, isn't he? He's waiting. Because, you know, he kind of stuck his neck out. A lot of people had come to hear him speak, and and he says that Jesus is the one, in fact, that that John's unworthy to untie his sandals. He um, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John has said. He's the Messiah. And in fact, several of many of, his, of John's disciples had left him and to go and follow Jesus. And John said, fine, I must decrease, he must increase. And now, 
John's in jail. And, and Jesus is still sauntering around the countryside with the masses, but, but John's in jail and it's not looking good because Herod's ticked. And Herod's wife is ticked. And, and, and John starts to wonder, have I bet on the wrong horse? And he's getting a little impatient because things aren't working out the way he thought they would. And so he sends a couple of his few remaining disciples to Jesus and to say, hey, are you the one? Or should we wait for another? And you can, at, you can see what John's asking, right? If you're the one who's come to set us free, why am I in jail? And, and you, may have, you may have felt something like that, right? G- Jesus, if you're the one who's come to set us free, why am I still running ragged? Jesus, if you're the one who's come to set us free, why am I still fighting all the time with my family? Why am I always in this chronic pain? Whatever it is. But I wonder if you notice that Jesus actually quotes the passage that we read from Isaiah. He tells those disciples, you go and tell John what you've heard and seen. That the blind are receiving their sight. And the lame are walking. You tell John, in other words, tell John, it's happening. It's happening. It's just not happening the way you thought it would. So you want someone to fix your situation, but I've come to save your soul. I've come to give you freedom that no jail can take away. I've come to give you life in the desert of your heart so that when the sun beats down, and it will, that there's still life and joy. I've come to give you peace no matter what your calendar looks like and no matter what healing, no matter what your joints feel like. Because there's going to be a day when we take care of all the externals too, but... But first, we're taking care of the internals. We're taking care of the heart. I've come to save your soul. See, Christianity answers the darkness of life. Christianity answers the darkness of life. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. That's why the baby comes. That's why the baby comes. And certainly there's a goodness about the presence and the family time and the nostalgia and the candy canes and and the traditions, but none of those things can answer the darkness. Right? The finish lines that are playing hard to get, they're never going to answer the darkness. None of it can take away the existential yearning in any lasting way. A Scottish theologian, Sinclair Ferguson, uh, once wrote that anxiety can never be cured by getting more of what you already have. Say that again. Anxiety can never be cured by getting more of what you already have. But that's why the baby came. That's why Jesus came. Not He didn't come so the angels could sing about Him or shepherds could praise Him or even so that Mary could treasure up these things and in her heart. He came to save. He came to die and to rise again. He came For you, He came to shine His light and to chase away the darkness. He came to be the spring in the spiritual desert. He came to give sight. To be the sight for the spiritually blind. See, these Isaiah passages, they remind us of what we're longing for. They highlight that sense of longing that we sometimes try to cover up with things like twinkly lights. It's always there. 
they highlight our longing and they highlight our hope. And Christmas, which is 10 days away, Christmas reminds us that we have what we're longing for in Jesus Christ. Whether, you're, whether in your mind Christmas is crawling toward you ever so slowly or whether it's coming lightning fast, the truth is that when it gets here, it's, it's a recollection remembering what's already happened. Jesus is already here. We're not waiting on Jesus to come. He's come. He's here now with us, with you. And He is ready for you. Ready to be the strength to your weakness. Ready now to be the stream in your desert and the answer to your yearning. So I thought we'd just close up with a word of prayer and call upon Him together. So let's Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for Advent and for its carving out and making time to recognize what's always there, this longing for for what only you can fulfill. And you came to fulfill it, Lord. And so right now, in the midst of of, um, raggedness, it really is just red and green this time of year, but it lasts all year around. In the midst of the raggedness, we ask that you would be our peace that there would be an ever-present joy and that you would be the solution because we know you. We, know, we want to know you, Lord. We want to, um, to, to cling to what you have done for us and how you love us. We pray, God, that you would be the answer and you would quench our yearning with yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.